Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. This is a transformative time for black America. Our income is at an all-time high, and the opportunity for economic empowerment is unprecedented. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. Build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints. Welcome to the Business of Esports podcast, the official podcast of esports. We explore the intersection of business and esports, one of the fastest growing industries in the world and the future of fun. Please welcome your host, Paul, the esports prophet, Dawalibi. The Business of Esports podcast begins now. From the keyboard to the boardroom, this is the Business of Esports podcast. I am Paul, the prophet, Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, the Honorable Judge Jimmy Barada. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the official podcast of esports. What we do is we cover the most pressing gaming and esports topics and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this industry. For our regular listeners, thank you guys for tuning in every week. Thank you for all the love, the five-star ratings and reviews. If you haven't yet, do a couple of things for me. Go leave a review on the podcast. I promise I read everyone. I'm flattered and humbled by every single one. Uh, it means a lot to us if you leave a, a five-star review on the podcast. And share it with a friend. Send the podcast to a colleague, maybe someone you work with, a friend, someone who's interested in gaming and esports. That's how the podcast has continued to grow. Jimmy, how you doing this week? Wow, Paul, what a week. What a week it's been, <laughs> I got to say. I... Uh... You think things slow down in the summer, especially with the holiday, the 4th of July, not too long ago, but uh, gaming, the business of gaming is alive and well. That's all I'm going to say in that regard. We've had so many projects going on. I don't know if you want to tease anything that we're doing, Um, you know, maybe maybe uh, on the fitness side of things that that are starting uh, at the end of this month, but 
I'll leave it to you if we, if we should share that now <laughs> or later. It's just there's so much going on that I want to talk about. I just don't, don't always know what's what's clear yet contractually. Yeah, um, there's a lot going on. First of all, I'm not I'm not homeless anymore. So if, if this episode sounds a little bit echoey, um, it's because right now all I have is big empty rooms. <laughs> uh, so apologies for that. If you're listening to this, we'll do our best to make it sound good in in, you know, in editing. But um, also just lots going on. You're right. I mean, it's funny. We, I was quoted in this article, a good friend of ours at Digiday, great journalist, one of the, maybe the best esports journalist in the world, uh, Alex Lee at Digiday, uh, came out with this great article about sort of the esports winter, you know, sort of echoing the crypto winter. And, you know, uh, there's, there are, you know, there is there are portions of the ecosystem maybe that uh, are tougher, but I think gaming in general is so much more recession proof than or recession resistant than crypto, right? Like I, I hate that we get lumped in just sort of de facto with the crypto winter because I, I really do think there there are some key differences, and I highly encourage everyone. I think Jimmy, you put it on your socials, and I know it's on all of ours. I highly recommend everyone go read that article because Alex put together a really, really great article. Um, obviously when people ask my opinion, I think it's a great article, but, um, <laughs> it, it, it is also a great article independent of my opinion. Um, I, if you want to tease the fitness stuff, Jimmy, I mean, look, cause I think a lot of people don't know we're, we are by far, it's not even close, right? By far the leader in gaming industry content, in metaverse industry content, in crypto industry content, right? I mean, like the business and industry side. Um, but a lot of people don't know that we also produce like a bunch of original IP, uh, some of which hasn't seen the light of day yet. So it's maybe not surprised that people don't know that. But uh, if you want to tease, tease it a little bit, a little bit, a little like very brief. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very briefly, uh, it, for our regular listeners, you know, we had Knut, the Norwegian streamer and bodybuilder on about two or three weeks ago. Uh, Knut will be starting a brand new series later this month called Camp Knut, where our first season, he's going to Austin, Texas to work with OTK Media, Ms. Kiff, S-Fan, all the big time streamers that you know and love. And we'll be whipping these guys into shape. <laughs> and uh, I, maybe that's all I'll share for now. But uh, if you're a follower of OTK, if you're a follower of Knut, check out their streams. I'm sure they will be teasing it and you will be seeing it in no time. Um, yeah, and we're very actively involved there. I'm super excited about that project. Knut, I mean, uh, for those who listened to that episode, he's just such a fun guy. A uh, good friend of mine, like just uh, I just think it's going to be so much fun. Such great content, um, a little bit of a departure from what we normally do. But like I said, I think there's there's a lot of original IP in the works. And this is just a part of it. I will say I'll tell, you know, uh, by the time anyone listens to this, I may already be uh, in Saudi Arabia. So if you're listening to this and you work in gaming in Saudi Arabia, uh, would encourage everyone to reach out to me or to Jimmy on LinkedIn probably is the easiest way uh, because I will be out there. I will probably go check out the Gamers 8 Festival there, among other things. So highly encourage anyone in that region. Uh, obviously, I'm in Dubai now, but like anyone in Saudi Arabia to reach out. Uh, would love to meet with as many gaming people as possible while I'm there. So um, lots going on, Jimmy, lots, too much, too much, maybe. I mean, I'm not going to complain, but a lot going on. Um, 
someone who has a lot going on, actually, this is good. You like that segue. Someone who does have a lot going on is our guest this week. I love every guest that comes on this show, but they get better and better. Right? I feel like we just meet every single week just gets better and better. And this week's no exception. We have none other than Emil Vanyaka on the show. Um, I know he's a fan of the podcast, but he's doing some very cool things in esports. And uh, he's the co-founder of Able Esports, in fact, and also on the board of directors of the Quebec Esports Federation. So doing a lot in the esports space. Emil, welcome to the Business of Esports podcast. Hey, Paul. Hi, Jimmy. One of those regular listeners you always make a shout out to at the beginning of each podcast, <laughs> but super Love pumped it. to be here with you guys. I'm super excited to have you, Emil. I would love for uh, people who don't know you or maybe haven't heard of Able Esports, would love a little bit of your background, um, how you got into gaming, why you got into gaming, like what was the imp- the impetus to, because you're, you're, you're sort of in Jimmy's group, right? Ex-lawyer, reformed yeah. lawyer, <laughs> recovering I mean, lawyer. lawyer. But yeah, let's say recovering, <laughs> current, <laughs> recovering <laughs> lawyer, not my, um, not my choice today. Uh, but yeah, for sure. Background. I mean, you know, my background is kind of two parallel streams. So there's the esports stream, and then there's kind of the the whole lawyer stream, like you mentioned for Jimmy. So esports wise, always been into gaming, as many of your guests are, and you guys as well. So you know, parents got a computer when I was at a very young age, and my brother and I just played all the games our older cousin would get us for each Christmas. Um, eventually, Half Life came along. Counter-Strike came out the very first day it came out. I was at an internet cafe when they still existed because people didn't have high-speed internet. And I was just hooked on Counter-Strike and playing Counter-Strike for, what, 24 years now. Um, so played competitively, built a little team locally, went you know to LAN events, to virtual um, cyber athlete amateur league, cyber athlete professional league. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And then with all projects that I do, I always kind of want to get more involved in the space. So built out a few little businesses at the time, organized my own uh, tournaments, my own leagues, got sponsors, built uh, built out platforms, websites, e-commerce stuff in esports. Eventually dropped out of everything that was esports for a little bit because of law school and being a lawyer, which I'm sure Jimmy knows takes up pretty much all of your life Uh but uh, gained some great, great experience there. Worked at a couple of very large firms up here in uh, Montreal, Canada, uh, Norton Rose, Faskin, did some large mergers and acquisitions, but then focused on uh, what I've always been passionate about, which was tech and startups. So helped a few hundred startups kind of go from incorporation to finance raising all the way to IPOs, helped them with their revenue streams and their business models. And then moved into a startup. So my nine to five uh, today is at a biotech company in Montreal. Uh, we do cancer research products so for, for patients um, with uh, leukemias and blood cancers. And as I went back into startups and as COVID hit, um, a little bit more free time on my hands. So jumped back into esports. I was always listening. You know, I was always plugged into Twitch, but I wasn't in the space, so to speak. Uh, Saw a really nice opportunity in Canada, even more so in Quebec, um, of a space with a growing community, but nothing really happening. Well, I mean, Canada has a few projects, but Quebec, not so many. So saw a nice opportunity to jump in. A lot of the stuff happening in the U.S. with schools at all levels getting involved. Now it's coming up to Canada. We're always kind of trailblazing the U.S., so helping out a lot of programs as far as academics go who want to get to that level but don't understand the space at all. Um, 
and then more and more companies, businesses wanting to get that underlying, you know, target market that's so difficult to reach that want to work with esports companies, but there aren't any around, or again, not as approachable up here uh, when you work through the American orgs. And then just as far as player base goes, giving opportunities to players that exist here that didn't necessarily break out. And Quebec was an interesting market, uh, as I'm sure you know, Paul, uh, just because it gives us a bit of differentiation. Uh, if we do focus on the French, less of a reach, but a differentiating factor. At Able Esports, we've been around for three years maybe now, and we've been able to partner with some really cool companies, uh, Guru Energy, uh, public energy uh, drink company, organic energy, Bud Light from Labatt, uh, MSI Canada. We've organized tournaments that are broadcast through our media partners on television in over 20 countries, English, French. Um, so we've been able to do a lot by differentiating, by offering um, an underlying market that isn't necessarily directly reached through existing esports companies. But we took an, a traditional esports org approach at first teams, content creators uh, playing under our, our banner, and then diversified into organizing our own tournaments. We organize a monthly Valorant tournament, organizing our own podcasts. You guys were an inspiration for that. We launched the French podcast that covers local esports events at the beginning of the year. So it's been about half a year now that we've been doing that. And more and more partners are interested in kind of that stuff, as long as you pitch it the right way. So we've had some success there and we're hoping to kind of get to the next level, having some really interesting discussions with some existing uh, media and entertainment companies, with some existing traditional sports teams who want to break out into it. Again, we've seen it in the U.S. It's coming here now uh, or in the last few years. So uh, good timing. There's some stuff that's not so great timing going on right now, like economically <laughs> speaking. But otherwise, uh, no, it's been it's been a great uh a great, uh, a great few years, and we have a lot of projects planned uh, for the upcoming uh, few years as well. And then I got even more involved in the space when I joined the uh, Quebec Esports Federation just recently as a, one of the members of the board. And that is more of a kind of high-level approach to talking to governments, trying to lobby for you know esports to be more recognized within the province and within the country of Canada to get more. Um, no bursaries. I think you guys covered how the province of Ontario had some esports specific, uh, you know, grants recently. So we're trying to push for more and more of that to recognize it, not necessarily as a sport, but it is one of the one of the push one of the directions we're pushing in. But just to recognize it as more of a something positive that that young generations want to work in and can work in at at a lot of levels, not just playing video games twenty four hours a day, but being lawyers in the space, being accountants in the space. So um, very, very cool projects. And uh, we're moving in the right direction. We always want to move faster than we are, but <laughs> I think that's what, uh, that's what helps us move forward too. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. Emil, you know, you've accomplished what I think probably a, a very large percentage of our listeners would love to accomplish, which and I'll I'll start with sort of a very big generic question, which is you built an esports business while still having a day job. Right. And I think yeah. for a lot of people, that's sort of the dream. Right. Like the the, the idea that I, I can still pay the bills, but they'll do this thing I love and that that thing that I love turns into something interesting. Uh, any advice? Like, I, I always think it's interesting to tease advice, insight from people who've done something. Uh, and a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, would love to do something similar. What, you know, what were some of the keys for you, things you learned, insights, takeaways, anything that you can share? Yeah, a few things. Um, one is obviously efficiency and time management, which I learned as a lawyer as well was very, very important. Um, and through my studies, I did a lot of things while I was studying my MBA, my master's in law, did like those simultaneously. Um, so time management, efficiency, do, you know, things well enough to get the impact. Nothing has to necessarily be perfect, at least not the first time you do it. A lot of people get stuck in that, oh, I want to launch this, but it has to be perfect. And then they never launch it. Our first Valorant tournament was, it was good, but it wasn't what it is, you know, a year and a half after. Um, the other thing is uh, surround your either you have to be very good at a lot of things or you have to surround yourself with the right people that kind of have the same vision. And that's often difficult. But again, start on your own if you can. And it doesn't have to be perfect day one. You don't have to be 10,000. Able Esports is not a huge esports org. Like we're not living off of it, but but it's okay. We're, we're enjoying it. And that's what we have to remember. Most of us are in esports because of the passion, because it's fun. The day it stops being fun, even if you are making a lot of money, honestly, I don't know. It's not something I would want to be in. Um, and then I go back to dip, like 
our approach has been uh, this community grassroots organic driven growth. Some people want to grow very quickly, don't know how they're going to do that. We're okay with growing less fast. We don't a traditional esports approach of just burning cash to grow without, you know, how is this going to work in the end? A lot of people jump into esports orgs and they spend thousands of dollars that they're making with their full-time job. And then eventually they're like, well, this isn't fun. Plus I'm losing money and nobody wants to sponsor me. So we've always just used the money that we can go get. And how we went to get that money is differentiation. Again, I know you guys have talked on the podcast, like, why would you geographically differentiate yourself as an esports org? And I completely agree with both sides of that argument. I'm not saying that's how you have to differentiate. I'm saying you have to find a way to differentiate because a sponsor, especially uh, endemic sponsors, are going to say, well, why would I give you money? And you have to have an answer to that. It, it can't just yeah. be, oh, I have, I have a thousand followers. Well, yes, so what? Um, mm. So differentiate yourself and then prove to them that it's something that they want. We started with all our partners with a very low to no risk commitment. We came up to Guru Energy was one of our first partners. We came up to them and we said, listen, let's do a short-term partnership, one quarter, four months, three months, whatever it is, give us very, very little, and I'll report to you at the end of that. And a lot, a lot of what people don't do is report back. They ask for money, they do the thing, and then they ask for more money, and <laughs> the sponsor tells you, well, I mean, <laughs> what did I get out of the last one I gave you? So report and give them a report that blows them out of the water. Guru Energy has been with us for maybe three years now, and they've re-signed for multiples of their previous. And same thing with all our sponsors, because we, not under-promise, but we always over-deliver. And then I've been through enough jobs in my life where I understand how those companies work. That marketing manager at Guru, at Red Bull, at MSI, at whoever, they report to a marketing director who reports to a VP of marketing or whatever it is, whichever, you know, it could be VP of sponsorship, whatever it is. Give him a report where he just takes this report, he turns around, gives it to his superior, and he looks like an all-star. The superior is like, oh my God, this is amazing. Wow, look at these pictures and these graphs and we only gave them that and we got this? Like, yeah, of course, let's do it again. So it's not that easy. Obviously, I've had a lot of doors shut in my face and we're not, like I said, an extremely profitable business. Like, we're not getting Bud Light's uh, sponsorship dollars in Montreal, Quebec for Able Esports as CLG is getting, you know, right? But a lot of these companies do have segregated, localized marketing budgets. If you want to run an event in your local community, Red Bull has a Montreal marketing budget run an event in Montreal, they will probably want to get on board. So um, make things look, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing. Make things look really professional and good enough, not perfect, and give them a low-risk way to, to kind of partner with you and then prove to them that it's worth it. So that's kind of how we did it. And obviously just keeping it fun. Emil, I love that, like, oh, I mean, such great, so many good, so many good insights there and good advice for our listeners. But like, I love in some ways, I'll call this almost the hyper-local approach, right? Where Quebec, Montreal is really a unique market, right? It, because of the language barrier, because that, that, and there are also 
sort of artificial language barriers also, right? That are government mandated and things like that. So, you know, the, it's a it's a, a really distinct, as, as, you know, many French Canadians would, would like to say, very distinct ecosystem. Um, and, and I love that you guys have owned that. Um, how far do you take that as an organization? In other words, like players that you sign, content creators that you sign, is the idea to always source local talent um like is that part of the ethos so far i mean we have non-quebec we have a few guys from ontario we've had teams from the u.s so obviously the higher you get in competitive play the more difficult it is to stay within a smaller pool of players just because you know statistics um but we try to stay local for many reasons. One is obviously differentiation, but the other is that we do believe in kind of giving a platform to those players to hopefully break into, you know, higher levels. And our approach isn't, there are different, different approaches to, to, to esports. And I loved um, what G2 had posted or the CEO of G2 had posted a few weeks ago that, you know, winning isn't the first thing. It's the second thing that comes after storytelling. So, Whatever story you want to tell is up to you. We've chosen, you know, this local players growing up and, and blowing up in local events and, and, and getting to those, those bigger and better teams. But that story can be anything. And same with the differentiation. This is the way we went. But you can differentiate on multiple facets. You can go into, you know, coaching, academics, which we're starting to break into. Um, so we've we've taken it fairly far. I'm not I don't think it's a hard line for us, but we'll do it as long as it's as long as we grow to a certain level and then it'll kind of break out. We're looking at a lot of interesting local discussions or potential partners or whatever you, you might have it. Uh local traditional sports teams are looking into breaking into it. Um Montreal Canadians, for instance, who invested, you know, some money out in Ontario in overactive media, I think it was last year. Uh, because there is nothing here to invest in. Uh, I think the Vancouver Canucks were looking for a VP of esports, or still are, um, because they're in their Overwatch League. And there are some really cool synergies. I don't love to make the parallel with um, traditional sports that much, but there are some really cool synergies with those businesses. A standalone esports org as a business model today, I don't really believe in, to be honest with you, or at least not the way it's been driven by most esports orgs. So those synergies are interesting. And media companies too. I mean, if if you know them, you know, fairly locally, Kibikov, which is a huge company, they own, you know, Videotron, an internet service provider, they own a, a minor league hockey team, they have their own stadiums, their own theater uh, you know, uh stages. I mean, those synergies are ridiculous with esports, right? You want media and entertainment for the upcoming Gen Zs? Like, that's where you need to be, according to me. So there's still that educational piece because a lot of these businesses are being run by, <laughs> no no insult intended, but, you know, gray-haired, and I'm getting gray hairs now too, but like, you know, people, people of, of an older generation that kind of still have this view of esports that's like what do you mean i want to get into gaming and then you start showing them why and that story starts making a lot of sense but anyway went off on a tangent uh but yeah so far we're, we're focused fairly locally it's been working for us in many levels but it also holds us back uh as far as um competitiveness of teams and as far as sponsorship budgets too 
it's kind of a double-edged sword. We've been able to get sponsorships as a fairly small esports org, at least at first, because of that differentiation. But then if we keep only selling a small market or underlying market, those budgets have a cap too, right? Yeah. So, so I want to jump in here because, uh, Emil, I think it's just such an amazing story that we're getting into, uh, you know, having a nine to five, but starting a passion or, or pursuing a passion. You know, so many of our listeners are, are, are working professionals in the gaming industry, but so many also are in adjacent industries that are looking for this type of inspiration, this type of roadmap and, and, and want to follow, I think, the success you've had. Um, and, and obviously we've talked a bit now about this hyper-local approach uh, and you had mentioned, you know, maybe not burning all of all of someone, you know, all of your cash from your nine to five into the passion. I, I'm curious, you know, for you guys, you, you mentioned tournaments and, and things of that nature. What were you and you'd also given great advice about, you know, just starting picking something, making those mistakes, but then improving from there. For someone that's looking to follow their passion, whether it's an education, esports education, whether it's in organizing tournaments, creating something competitive with a roster of players, you know, for you guys, where did you exactly start? You know, what were those first early days? What were the first two or three projects, the ones that you had the rough learning curves? You know, um, saying just start is great advice, but I'm now I want a, more of the a meal story on where you guys started. Yeah, and, yeah your early days. So I co-founded Able Esports, and, and kind of the story behind Able is my my co-founder, Emrik Vaught, who actually, he started Able Esports, and he started Able in the way that most clans or teams start. There's, there's a local LAN event, I think it was in Ottawa, the first one, and you got a group of players that were decent local players, and they printed out jerseys, and they went, and they did that a couple of times because it was fun, and that's where a lot of esports project starts because it's fun because we have a passion for it so they did that a few times and then eventually they started getting some results they started getting some interest from uh you know at the time i think it was dell that had had approached them uh one of the first who was at those events and then simultaneously i was trying i was getting back into the scene so we had met up through some some local events uh, mega mix here in, in in quebec and through some some people that we knew and I was coming in with a, with a business mindset, which I have, and you know I think there is an opportunity for it. Although, again, don't get into esports if you want to make money. It's not where you want. There, you can make way better money elsewhere today. But um, I came in at the same time, and then we just decided to structure it together. And it started as a passion project, and it's fun, and it still is. Like I do able esports. I put my time into able. Uh, I mean, you know. My revenue, my nine to five compared to, I don't pull any revenue for Mable personally is, is not comparable. I do it because I enjoy it. And, you know, I have two kids and I have a dog and a house. Like you have to find the time for the things that you like, but that's something that I'm very passionate about. And the more I do it, the less I play video games, ironically, but, you know, as most that, of that's your That's the guests, case with everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's... <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, it, it started as a little project and it kind of goes back to what I was saying. I don't think, you should start an esports org or a clan or, or, or a team. I don't think you should start with the vision of, I want to be the best, I want to be the biggest day one. Start it because it's interesting and grow it you know, with time. If you want to throw a bunch of money at it because you have a bunch of money, like absolutely go for it. But then we've seen the sustainability of that kind of across the industry. Um, 
if I wanted to get into esports more for the growth and the money, I'd probably be in a tech play. I mean, those are the those are the the plays that are easier to grow and easier to expand without that rapid growth that most investors are looking for. And if you want investment in an esports org today, I mean, good luck. People are doing it, but FaZe got their SPAC let this week. And I think Exit just today. raised its series A. Yeah, today. Or yeah, and they're already down like 30%. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> you can find money to do that. But what I I haven't been in these in these companies necessarily, but from the from an external point of view, it's they seem to have their business model is just I'm going to just keep raising indefinitely, and there's none of that kind of well, where do we become profitable? Where is my return on investment? And if you want, there, there's different ways of getting into it. If you want to get into it because of passion and because it's fun, then make sure it stays fun or at least for a long time. Um, and if you want to get into it for the money, well, get some really good coders and a really good idea and build something tech because I think that's where the money is in esports in the long run. Um, but gaming is a much better industry than esports for money. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Emil, I'm curious what you mentioned it, and I was going to ask about it. What do you think of the phase 
IPO, the phase going public, right? Like, um, and yeah, the, the stock got killed today. But most people know we record on Wednesday. So today is the day phase actually yeah. is, got publicly listed officially. Um, what but do like, I think about is, it? Well, what do you think of phases chances? I guess let's put it, I don't know how else to say it better than that maybe. And also like, do you aspire for ABLE to follow, you know, that path? Or, or how do you see sort of the next five years for ABLE, right? Like, is it? Good questions. Um, so no, I don't aspire to be, to follow many of the, you know, you look at the Forbes list and many of the quote unquote successful esports orgs approaches to how they've grown things. One, because the timing is off, like what they have done is very difficult to do today because the hype and the money isn't there to just burn. And I think that's a great thing. Um, but I, I've never been a firm believer in, I've been a firm believer in, in, in acceleration money. If you have a plan and have kind of an inflection point, but I've never been a firm believer in just throw money at me. I'm going to spend five bucks to make one. Like, yeah, it's very impressive that I, I love all of these companies. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not here with able esports trying to bash phase or anything, but like, Overactive media is oh yeah we've doubled our prof our, our revenue from last year but we've tripled our expenses so it's you know um, it's it's a counterintuitive uh, business model. What do I think of their SPAC? I mean, it's not uh, like legally speaking, it's not something I've seen very often. Uh, to me, it's a bit of a quote unquote shortcut to that, um, or it is to going public and. It is. Yeah, by definition, and, it actually is a yeah, short exactly. <laughs> and I was very surprised that they waived the kind of that, I think it was the cash on hand that they waived, which actually made it possible because they weren't hitting the milestones that they promised. So that's you know, more than just a flagrant red flag to me, but fine, we're pushing it through. Uh, I'm not surprised at the 30% drop today. Um, but what I'm afraid of is how it's going to impact the market and the, the esports market is already tough to go get investment. Um, it's already tough to get decent, you know, intelligent valuations, but maybe it's a correction that we need, right? Maybe people have been flaunting these impressions and these huge numbers that at the end of the day, if you really sit down and look at them, like, are they worth as much as we're saying they're worth, you know, we're, in my mind, we're early on in this industry. We're very early, even though it's been here for a while, we're early. It's chaotic. Nobody's kind of quote unquote figured it out yet. And that maybe has to has to be reflected in this downturn that's upon us or, or right around the corner there once he's coming might come and correct even more of that. You're gonna see a lot of these esports orgs have trouble raising because it's their model to raise. If you have a runway of 18 months or 12 months and you can't raise at the end of that. Well, I don't know if it's over, but you're in trouble. So all of these things combined might be the right correction, and it might kind of wake people up. You guys had Arnold, I think, from Gen G in one of your latest episodes, and I love that episode. Probably one of my Thank favorite you. ones, if not the Arnold favorite. is so He's smart. Great. My yeah. God, everything that he was saying, I was just kind of nodding my head and like, oh, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, what do I think of it? I think... I think it's cool in one sense that I can say, hey, a billion dollar valuation for phase in my pitch decks. But then anyone who understands that, it's going to be like, yeah, but wait a minute. <laughs> uh, I'm not so sure about that number. <laughs> so I think we need more, uh, more of that, like more people checking themselves in their pitch decks, more people checking themselves in their business models, their valuations. And it's starting. Esports was built from passion. And now we need a little more 
people with external um you know experience and knowledge more lawyers more and i'm not a fan of lawyers but more lawyers more accountants more people from finance backgrounds coming into the space <laughs> and kind of checking checking like this doesn't really make that much sense and now let's calibrate let's get to a place where it starts making sense maybe the face back is one of those things but look at the end of the day can you even call phase phase is not in my opinion, in esports org, right? And they don't no, even brand sure. themselves. It's a me, me, media <laughs> business, right? Like Less than a, a third of their revenue comes from esports, right? So, yeah. Um, but, and I think Arnold said the same thing. I think to be successful in esports, you do have to have a successful model outside of esports as well, if you want to be kind of very strict on what esports are. Um, but no, it's super, super interesting time to be in esports. I kind of jumped in because I love the fact that nobody has figured it out yet. That's a super interesting business problem or challenge uh, to navigate. So um, if, if you kind of have the right approach and aren't afraid to take a few risks or aren't afraid to take a slower approach, like by all means, get in so, here. So this is definitely leaning into an interesting area of, of what you do, Emil. And I'm curious, you know, Quebec Esports Federation and the conversations you're having uh, your recent perspective that you shared on, you know, figuring out esports, what it needs to become profitable, what businesses need to be doing. So obviously we've talked about your, your personal background, you're following your passion and creating what essentially was a side hustle that, that, you know, blossomed into a, a successful and fun pursuit for you. But now with your recent posting on the board of directors, you know, for, the, for this esports federation, um, what are the conversations? What are the problems? What are the insights that they're asking of you to solve for, for Quebec and, and your community? Yeah. So first and foremost, uh, one of the big challenges right when I came in was, was coming to the end is uh, a little bit like Paul mentioned, Quebec is kind of always its own thing. And for esports, uh, a lot of it was coming from some of the regulations we have here around gambling. Uh, so esports players from Quebec were actually traditionally couldn't compete in international tournaments because it was considered gambling. So that was one of the big, um, the big projects that the, the Quebec Esports Federation had was to start at least letting our players play in bigger tournaments. There are a couple that are still holding out, uh, a couple of big ones. Uh, I think Blizzard was one of them. But anyway, that regulation has changed, so they've done a great job with that. Our, our main focus is today, um, with respect to the government, is just to find a way to get grants for esports projects. We're taking one approach, which is recognize us as a sport, or at least recognize us in a way that we fall into this sport and hobby bucket that the government has for projects so that we can make blossom certain projects like ABLE or like other project community projects that need that kind of funding to get off the ground. And we're working with a lot of schools. So a lot of universities, colleges, uh, high schools are getting into esports. In the US, it's you know fairly advanced and here it's it's starting up fairly well as well. Colleges here we have what we call CGEPs. We have a league, so we organize a league. We're kind of the umbrella company of the league underneath. So we have a high school league, a college league, and we're starting a university league. The CGEPs here, we have 35 of them with over 500 players, and it's a standalone profitable business because there's a model <laughs> underneath that. And it's we're, we're a nonprofit company, so you know all that money gets reinvested, but 
and you guys have talked about some third party, you know, for profit businesses that do that in the States, but that's a model that can work if you do it right. To less success. If you do it right. Yeah. If you do it right, it's a model that can work. And again, unfortunately, some of these people are in it for the cash or don't have the experience to do it properly, but schools want to get involved. And I think a lot of it comes from schools. A lot of what esports can be can go through schools if we create logical path to pros, sustainable models, show students that they can work in a space that they love, again, at all levels, not just as a player, you start building a generation of people that are passionate about esports and that have the mindset to build it into something sustainable. So anyway, uh, the Federation works a lot with the academics. And then on the other side, it's just the governments that we want more of them to do what Ontario is doing come in with grants and support people that want to work in the space and show them the different ways that they can do it. Don't let them sit at home and quote unquote grind their game all night long without, you know, any real realization of all the possibilities that this space has to offer. I think governments massively underestimate just how much job creation also can come from a thriving ecosystem like this. And Quebec has game development. So it like, it makes so much sense there. Um, I want to get into the weeds, uh, Emil, before we get to everyone's favorite new segment here. But um, you guys have signed a beer sponsor, right? And I think this is a bit of more of the exception than the rule in the gaming world, especially in the esports world, because I think the prevalent sort of stereotype is gamers are 12 year old kids who can't drink beer anyway. So why should, you know, beer sponsors be thinking about it? Um, And, and I've seen a few successes, including you guys where, you know, you've managed to overcome that hurdle can you talk a little bit about how that process was and, you know, how you convinced, in this case, Labatt to, um, you know, that gaming and esports was not just for little kids? Um, or did they even require that education? I'm curious. Um, they didn't require it as much as some other non-endemic brands was required because at large, kind of Labatt, but Light are already in esports, but obviously the brand managers that I was, or the marketing managers that I was talking to locally um, did need some education into it. It wasn't excessively difficult in the sense that we took our traditional approach of, you know, no risk, let's try it out. Here's how, here's what we think we can offer to you. And you do have a good point. And then what's interesting to me about esports is those age ranges and those underlying interests vary by game, right? So we don't put much Bud Light or any Uh, forward in our Fortnite teams, but in our Counter-Strike teams, where the average age is fairly higher, if not almost 30 or or high 20s, it's very popular. And also with our local uh, in-person events, uh, we try to put them forward. So organizing a a local Valorant League, uh, which will have kind of an in-person playoff or finals, that's a very interesting and something that they are used to, right? They're used to in-person beer sales. Like that's what they're used to. Uh, Unfortunately here, we don't have some of the really cool possibilities for activations that I've seen in the States. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware of Drizzly, but Drizzly is kind of a, or was at least last year, um, I imagine they're still around, is kind of an Uber Eats for alcohol. So you can order your alcohol and it's delivered to your door. And I went to an ESI Digital, which during COVID was virtual, 
So there was a virtual happy hour, right? And an hour or 45 minutes before that happy hour, you get a notification from Bud Light that says, hey, order your Bud Light now from Drizzly and you'll get it in time for the happy hour. And that's an amazing hmm. activation to me. One, yeah. trackable, how much, how many conversions you're getting. And two, it's so integrated into we have a monthly Valorant tournament. If I can tell people, and same thing goes for McDonald's or anything like that, hey, you have a discount. And if you order now, it'll get there on time. And then you can go even further into those activations. So there are really cool activations that you can do in esports through tech plays with traditional companies that are more used to that brick and mortar approach. Um, unfortunately, there is some education there and there is some, hey, look how creative we can get. Do you want to jump into this with us? Uh, so what we ask every partner is, how is this going to be successful for you? We never put out um, pre-made tier lists of sponsors, silver, gold, that. We say, we want to understand what you want to get out of So Bud Light was, you know, beer sales, which is normal. That's full funnel conversion. But Guru, it wasn't. Guru Energy was, we want as many people as possible to taste our product. Because that's where we convert. Because when they're going to taste this organic energy drink, and they're going to compare it to all the other ones they've tasted, we're confident that they're going to buy this again. So depending on your partner, your activations are going to be different, your approach is going to be different, and what you should be offering, obviously there's overlap, but should also be catered to what they want. Um, so beer was an interesting challenge. We had an iRace, we have an iRacing team, uh, best in Canada, uh, and iRacing, you can't put alcohol yeah. on the cars. <laughs> <laughs> but we can put the non-alcohol version of Budweiser on the cars. So, you know, again, some interesting, interesting kind of ways to, to cater to both who you're selling to and who you're selling for. Um, but just things to keep in mind when you're obviously doing these things. And that's what makes it fun. It's If all activations are just stick your logo on a jersey, and obviously we have their logo on the jersey, but if that's all you're doing, personally, I don't find it fun. And secondly, like, how long are these companies really going to stay in the space? Yeah. I'm sure those um, loophole holes are where the law degree comes in handy too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Emil, that, that brings us to everyone's favorite new segment. That's Judge Jimmy's cross-examination. What, uh, what's going to happen is Jimmy's going to ask you a few very rapid fire questions. The idea is to get to know you a little bit better as a person, as a gamer, as a business person. Judge Jimmy, take it away. All right, Emil, I know you're a regular listener, so you're probably prepared for this one. <laughs> First question, what game are you currently playing? CS has always been my game of choice. Fortunately or unfortunately, I've kind of switched to Valorant recently. Um, it's shorter and more casual for me, plus more of my friends are willing to play with me. But uh, <laughs> uh, so, And I play a bit of Apex Legends because some of my friends just aren't at the rank for those games. But um uh, Yes, no, it's been, uh, humble brag yeah exactly <laughs> anchors uh, for friends what can i say <laughs> let's see um what is your go-to gamer snack um i'm not big on snacking around the computer i honestly don't understand how people do it i know you guys have talked about those <laughs> finger chopsticks and i haven't tried they them. work Maybe pretty I well should. they surprisingly Maybe I work should well. try them that's a great idea by the way <laughs> uh i'm not big on energy drinks either but and i have my guru right here and it's not even like kind of a plug but uh, guru and organic 
energy drink is pretty much the only thing other than water and uh, sometimes coffee that that I go to and uh, it's it's surprisingly good. I mean, I'm not an energy drink uh, consumer and I actually you know, drink this stuff fairly regularly, so try it out. When I when I was when I was running a software company in Montreal, my programmers lived on Guru, li- literally Telling lived you. on Guru. <laughs> and now they're, they've expanded through a partnership with Pepsi all over the U.S., so they're everywhere now. It's really cool. Got to stay hydrated. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so slightly different from what you're playing, what's your favorite game or streamer to watch? Um, that's a good Let question. me rephrase let me yeah. rephrase it. Why is XQC your favorite streamer? <laughs> you know, we've talked about XQC a lot on our podcast, but he's not my type of streamer. I mean, he's very unique. Uh, I don't have a go-to streamer. I watch a lot of, obviously, our streamers, but I don't have a go-to. Uh, favorite game to watch? I really enjoy Rocket League, even though I'm terrible at it. Uh, but I enjoy how accessible it is as well and how yeah, easy it definitely. is to understand. My issue with some games is how non how difficult it is for an outsider to come in and enjoy. League of Legends is huge, but like if you don't know gaming, even if you do know gaming, you can't come in and watch that. Counter-Strike, a little more understandable, but Rocket League, I mean, within two minutes, like fine, you get the whole upside down, whatever, that's difficult to follow sometimes, but you sit down and you understand it and you can enjoy it. Um, so I'm a pretty big fan of the potential that that game has. It's definitely fun to watch. I agree with you there. Uh, it's all right. terrible well, to play. I cannot play it. I'm horrible. <laughs> uh, last question, Emil. Uh, your favorite esports or video game collaboration? This could be a Fortnite skin. This could be uh, a weapons pack in, in a game. Favorite collab? I'll let you interpret it to, to your satisfaction. I might cheat a little on this one, but uh, in the sense that it's maybe not specifically what you're asking, but again, Rocket League, what they did recently with end goal animations specific to orgs, I think is mm, such awesome. a cool way for them. And it goes back, I think, to what you were talking about with Arnold with that vertical integration of where to get yeah. revenue for organizations. But my God, how are we not already doing this? Valorant has for <laughs> each skin, they already have a finisher. Imagine you can have a phase finisher. I mean, that to me is such a, such a cool way of doing things. And Hopefully, more and more games jump into that to make kind of the whole funnel sustainable. But I really loved seeing that across my feed, even though it's not necessarily the answer you were looking for. No, I love that. That's a fantastic answer. And yeah. honestly, great, great show, Emil. We really appreciate having you. That's that's it for the cross-exam. So I'll, I'll put you back in Paul's hands. But thank you. Thank you. Um, Emil, where can people find you, follow you, follow Able Esports? Uh, you know, where can they find out more? Yeah, Able Esports, our most active channel, as most esports, is Twitter. So just Able Esports, one word. So there's a double E there in the middle um, on Twitter. Myself, for the esports side of things, Able underscore Mill, so M-I-L, um, on Twitter again. And just more professionally or more generally, LinkedIn, Mill Vignaka, the only one <laughs> only one with that name out there so not too difficult to to find and uh, otherwise we're all we're on all socials but i think twitter and linkedin best places 
I love the differentiated approach you're taking, Emil. I think you're like the the absolute perfect case of like someone who can succeed in esports while still having a nine to five. I mean, it's just it gives hope, I think, to so many people who are passionate about the space. And and I hope that everyone uh, is inspired by someone like you who's done it. So um, incredible story. Love what you guys are doing. Um, thank you for being on the show. Jimmy, thank you as always. Obviously, to our listeners, just a couple of housekeeping points. One, make sure to tune into our live stream, guys. It's at a new time. We do it every Wednesday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it's like a it's like doing a work webinar during the day, so you shouldn't be missing it. Tell your boss you're working. Tune into the live stream. It's so much more fun when you guys show up live. Um, and also, make sure you subscribe to the Business of Esports and follow the Business of Esports everywhere. We're on Instagram, on TikTok, on LinkedIn, on YouTube. Uh, I know I'm forgetting a million other platforms, but we're everywhere. It's all Business of Esports or Busy Esports. We really appreciate you guys listening, tuning in every week. Um, Emil, thank you guys. Thank you, all our listeners. Don't forget, guys, the most important thing, the future is fun. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Business of Esports podcast. Check us out at thebusinessofesports.com and on Twitter at bizesports. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com.